My name is Bobby Ritter. I was baptized in 2010 here in New Jersey and spent my first couple years as a disciple here. Then moved out to St. Louis for work and in 2018 got to return with my wife Hannah. It is such a joy to be home here with you. Now, since Hannah and I have returned, we've been blessed with an addition to our family, little Edward. Now, I'm told he looks like Krillin from Dragon Ball Z, and I, I don't really understand exactly what that means. Uh, I don't know. I, I get more of a Patrick Stewart vibe from him myself, but nevertheless, that is my family. Family is such a charged term, though, and like all words, it evokes different emotions and meaning within each of us. I know myself that there have been times of my life where the term family hurt because of the situations that my blood family was going through. And there's also been times of my life where it brought about great joy. I wanted to talk about family this morning because God has given us so much care, so much guidance, so much love. And so much of those items are accomplished through our true family around us, those that do the will of God, as Jesus describes. Let's read a quick psalm to begin our message today. Psalm 133, reading from the NIV. How good and pleasant is it when God's people live together in unity. It is like precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down on the collar of his robe. It is as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion. For the Lord bestows his blessing, even life forevermore. Oil? Dew? Amen. There's clearly something going on here, and we're going to come back to that a little bit later. But one thing is very clear. Us living together in unity is good. So, in the midst of COVID-19, I'm sure you've heard the term alone together, which aims to teach and encourage physical distance as the priority while still remaining relationally together as also important. However, I want to flip that term a bit to teach and proclaim one of my favorite parts of the gospel, the good news that we get to share, and that is together alone. While we may have to be physically separated, the together in spirit is the ultimate priority. In fact, I'm going to make the case today that it is the only way to live. That together is alone the only way to live. Now, I'm, I'm kind of a wonky guy. My ears aren't exactly level. My glasses are typically falling off my face. With my friends, I call hangouts meetings. Um, and mentally, I consider every retail business as just the store. So Han and others are often confused. I'm like, I'm going to the store to pick something up. Sometimes I speak too quickly for anyone's benefit, and I can be incredibly tone deaf in conversations. I'm a terrible speller, and my sinful nature is filled with pride and haughtiness. And yet, despite all of that, God takes me and has placed me in the Christian story as part of his work to reconcile the world back to him. It makes me want to cry. I'm so grateful for the fact that he helps me to continue to deal with my sin and continues to give me opportunities to grow. But even more than that, I am completely blown away by the fact that God vindicates each one of us with the overall body of Christ. The church is not the sum of its parts. 
God somehow mixes together my foolishness and your quirkiness and my flaws and your confusion and builds us together into a holy temple that he dwells in. In fact, the greater of each of our self-deficiencies, the greater is his power. The greater is his perfected work in joining us together as one united body. God's power is made perfect in our weaknesses. We desperately need one another as a group to make up for each of our individual lack. Did Jesus send people out alone? Could anyone even logically follow Jesus alone? I guess, like, if you were the first person to follow Jesus, you'd be kind of going at it alone. But even to his first disciples, he called them together two different packs of two. You are either in discipleship together, or you're not in it at all. Now, I'm a big supporter of solitude as a necessary rhythm of life. We see that Jesus repeatedly withdrew from the crowd to realign with God in solitude. However, it was always with the intention of returning to the people and living as God designed. Christianity is not a solo sport, and we fool ourselves if we think God designed us to be solo riders. Proverbs 18.17 in the NASB teaches, The first to plead his case seems right until another comes and examines him. And honestly, we typically are the first person pleading our case to ourselves. We have these mental tracks and we listen to ourselves and we fool ourselves, kind of thinking like, who's that smart guy with the good ideas? And not taking others' perspective into account. And this is a faulty way of living. When I think through all the dumbest things that I've done as a disciple, they have always had something in common. I made the decision with a faulty trinity, me, myself, and I. God has designed us to advise one another. Don't ignore this gift because you're so prideful and think that other people ought to be coming to you for advice. Seriously, who are you fooling? We need advice most when we think we don't need to get any. And I'm not just talking about checking with others on each and every decision. I'm talking about letting others help draw out our intentions, our mental patterns, and faulty ways of thinking, and deeply discussing the way that we use our time, our money, and our creative potential. We need advice the most when we don't think that we need any. James 4 reminds us that God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Now, over time, there are definitely things that God has given us the experience to have a clear mind on. But honestly, just try asking a few people in your life if they feel like you seek input and let them in to your heart and into your motivations. Because here's the deal. Our individualism or the habit or principle of being independent and self-reliant is baked in by our American individualistic culture. A helpful way to find out how strongly you fall on this scale is to write down who you are. What defines you? And what's interesting is that we typically will write down a number of personality traits that we feel like gives us definition. But if we were to ask someone from a more collectivist culture to write down a list of, of what they are and who they are, they would instead write down simply a list of groups that they exist in because that's what gives their life formation. 
Now, this is not your fault. And there are benefits to individualism too. But it is your responsibility to investigate how the systems of thinking that you were raised into are potentially persuading you away from God's good and perfect will for your life. We really have to dig in to how this individualistic frame of reference impacts how we relate to Christianity. Author Gordon Fee paints an excellent picture of how Paul taught on salvation. In sum, to be saved in the Pauline view means to become part of the people of God, who by the Spirit are born into God's family and therefore joined to one another as one body, whose gathering in the Spirit's form them into God's temple. God is not simply saving individuals and preparing them for heaven. Rather, he is creating a people for his name, among whom God can dwell and who in their life together will reproduce God's life and character in all its unity and diversity. Wow, what a beautiful thing we have been baptized into. However, we were all unconsciously trained a different way. Specifically, people around my age, we got a special dose of exceptionalism poured onto our brains in our youth, and it is hard to break free from that mentality. Now, that being said, graduating into a major recession and then starting a family and having a young baby coming into the beginning of a pandemic has certainly helped teach me that the world is more complicated than just I'm a special and unique sunbeam that can do anything I want. Yes, we are all unique, but God is forming us collectively into his people. And that is infinitely more important than me or my life on its own. So for just a moment, let's separate the nuclear and the spiritual family. Now, when I was a young man, I honestly thought that I would end up getting married because I felt like it was societally expected or just kind of that's what my family wanted. Um, but honestly, I thought I was going to marry a, a dud or a potato of a wife. Like, considering the, the lack of women that had interest in me, I didn't have much hope. But when I got to know my now wife and I saw the way that she has a joy that convicts the ungrateful heart, a love that continually convinces me that the gospel is alive and well because I see it so clearly in how she cares for people, and eyes that are just filled with beauty and with grace and with wonder, I was floored. One, that someone like her could even like a dope like me, but more importantly, it became clear that God intended to use her to sharpen and develop me. That our relationship would be mutually beneficial in bringing us both closer to God. God designed us to have a partnership. Through our marriage, she has grown in her security because she's seen God's grace more clearly. And I've grown in my ability to sympathize and listen. Husbands, are you building up your wife? Are you presenting her blameless before God? Is she more radiant than when you first met and married her? Your love and sacrifice over time will help her to be secure and to be continuously growing and filled with joy. 
God taught me more about spiritual relationships through my marriage because it was so real and raw and a true account to one another. And yes, the marriage relationship is a uniquely bizarre aspect presented in the Bible where two beings would be joined as one, but our marriage is made complete in the unity of Christ. And this unity of Christ is available to all believers who worship in spirit and truth. When we died with Christ in the waters, we were raised into a new life. We became part of God's family. And together, we now get to participate in his reconciliation work for the world. I have a passion for spiritual family because it was my spiritual brothers who saved me when I almost left God in 2013. They hung on and they kept talking to me and kept eating with me and kept caring for me even though my heart had grown hard. They continued to see me as their brother. I have passion for spiritual family because Jesus, a young single man himself, proclaimed the necessity of true brothers and sisters living in unity. I have a passion for spiritual family because Paul, another young single man, taught about the necessity of healthy family dynamics among the saints. Lacking a nuclear family does not devalue you. Indeed, it is more telling of our current of the current and future work of God, where all people of all nations are invited to together worship God and live like Christ as one family. I showed you a picture of my nuclear family, but here is my real family. Again, as we read in Psalm 133, how good and pleasant is it when God's people live together in unity. It is like precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down on the collar of his robe. It is is as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion, for there the Lord bestows his blessing, even life forevermore. Now there's some rich imagery in there, but I want to highlight the dew. Reading from the New International Commentary of the Old Testament, Mount Hermon, located some 125 miles north of Jerusalem, was known for its abundant dew. And in Palestine, which saw little rainfall between the months of April and October, dew was an important commodity. Without the nightly accumulation of dew, the land would be parched and dry for many months of the year. In Psalm 133, the dew that soothes and refreshes the land comes down on Mount Zion, and Jerusalem, the center of worship for ancient Israel, is soothed and refreshed. Godly unity is the water that soothes and refreshes us. It is that which helps give life and restores us, quenching a deep-seated need. We need fellowship. But again, we were not raised to think this way. We naturally expect that everyone has an agenda, that they are just biding their time until they try to take something from us. While this may make sense in the world, it does not in the church. But we let that mindset filter on in. Have you ever had someone call you in love, but your first reaction was, did I do something wrong? What, What do they want? This is not the way. 
Philippians 2, 3 through 4 in the NASB says, Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. Imagine if every time you picked up the phone, instead of thinking, what do they want? You instead thought about, what can I freely offer them? Unprompted, not worrying about their agenda, but instead actually having one of your own to serve. Did Jesus not say that it was better to give than to receive? Are you thinking this way? Philippians 2, 3 through 4 demands it. Regard one another as more important than yourself. There are two brothers, Mike Hidalgo and Matt Rupert, who literally, every time I've tried to talk to either of them, they have instead overwhelmed me with care and concern and just genuinely, freely offered love to me. Guys, you're my heroes. You have let God write this scripture on your hearts. Satan is using COVID-19 to try to separate us spiritually and promote our own natural inclination for individualism. We don't need to go far in the Bible to find that this situation and the necessary physical separation is damaging to our psyches. Genesis 2 says it is not good for man to be alone. As the weeks drag on, our unconscious biases are pointing us in a direction that is not spiritual. Church is not a TV channel that we can just flip on or off as we desire. Avoiding the meetings of the body now is just as spiritually damaging, if not more so, than when we didn't meet on Zoom. Thank you for playing your part. There is alone one way that God designed us to live together. If we look at our spiritual forefathers, Jesus' teachings, the early church, the promises in Isaiah or Revelation, it all points in the exact same way. God's holy people from all nations living together in unity. And I need you. I need you. We all need one another. Every part needs every part. Together stands alone as the only way to do this. Honestly, here is the nub or the crux or the essence of what I proclaim today. God's family works as designed. This beautiful picture of unity and equality and shared grace and trust when every part takes up its part and does its work. To those of us that are listening that have not yet become one with Christ and the Christians around them, come. You're welcome to join us. With no money, come and buy. If you want to study the Bible or see how Jesus has planned out a future for you that is righteous and filled with God's grace, please go to nyccoc.net slash connect. Turn your life over to Christ and experience a peace that surpasses all understanding and a purpose that transforms you. Or at least get a foot stepped in that right direction by going from alone to together with us. To the nuclear families, let people in. Share the good God has gifted you. See the other kids as your kids too. To those that are confined in hospitals and nursing homes, pray and teach us to pray. We need your wisdom. We need your spirit. We need your prayers.
to those recently baptized, bond with every part. This is not our faith that you're somehow assimilating into. You are part of the royal priesthood, and your faith and story is a necessary component of our family. To the single moms, continue to persevere and set a shining example in faith and diligence, and let your burdens be shared. You deserve great honor. Let the family serve you. To the teens in campus, speak the truth and live a life of purity and authentic love as you remain strong in the faith. To those mourning, let us mourn with you. Your loss is our loss. We love you. To the single women, I am so inspired by your tenacity and ambition, your servanthood, your work ethic, and sincerity in loving Christ as Lord. Keep growing and reflecting God's glory. Keep your hearts soft. And finally, to the single men, and specifically the 25 to 35-year-old single men, lead. Lead us with heart. Lead us by example. Please lay down your distractions and move this family forward. God has given you perhaps the greatest mix of time, energy, money, and lack of responsibilities that you'll ever have. Jesus turned the world on its head in three years as a young single man by giving it all to God. So too can you as you lean on the wisdom of those older and give everything you have to God. You know, communion isn't a solo game either. We are literally joining together as one body, one family, across time and space, communing with all of Christ's disciples to remember our good Lord Jesus. We come together to feast on the richness of his love and sacrifice. In this moment, we get to take the bread that represents his broken body and the cup that represents his spilled blood. We do this always with three things on our mind. One, what Jesus and God have done. We join in faith that God has worked in the past. Two, what God and Jesus are doing. We join together in love for one another and the expectation that Jesus' grace will continue to transform our lives and make us collectively into his people. And finally, we come together and remember what God and Jesus will do. We join in hope of Christ's return and an expectation of God's heavenly kingdom played out now and into the future. Let us now pray. Dear God, thank you so much for your family. Thank you so much for your sacrifice. Thank you for being willing to send your son and being willing to break up your family that others could be a part of it. God, thank you so much that you set the lonely in families. Thank you that you grabbed us from all walks and stages of life to bring us here together as one. God, as we take the bread and we take the cup, just help us to remember who you are and who you're transforming us to be. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.